new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. until I find a seller who's desperate enough to sell, right? Yeah. And I'm going to sit around and I'm going to keep on making lowball offers until somebody's willing to accept my offer because that's how you get the best deal, right? It's a if theory. If the market is going up and it's, you know, we look at it per week, per month, per quarter, whatever you want, the longer you wait, the higher the price you're going to pay. Sure. How many people have I, have I come across where they keep telling themselves that I'm going to wait till I get a good deal. I'm going to wait till I can get that three bedroom in the neighborhood for this price. I'm going to wait until I find the fill in the blank so that I can make fill in the blank. Right? Yeah. This is all very, very, very common type of um, uh, chatter that you know isn't backed up by, by facts. It's all feelings. They think like the market's going to tank because I've heard some you know negative... Uh, uh, YouTube videos or, or something else like that too. And this is where you have to be careful. So it depends on why you're buying. It depends on what you're doing and, you know, the reasons behind it. But at the end of the day, if the market's going up and prices continue to climb and you're going to say, well, I'm going to wait until the market settles down. Great. Let's say it takes three months. We're in a strong seller's market. Nothing lasts forever. I guarantee it. Nothing lasts forever. Three months go by and prices end up going up. Okay. Now the new benchmark price for the house that you want to buy has gone up. And if you're a seller and you're looking at selling the home and the market is maybe softening and maybe there isn't as many buyers or there is more sellers and we're in a more balanced market, are you going to want more or less than the last house that sold on your street? It's not less. No. It's the same or more. Even when the market's going down, the answer is still the same. You want more. Desperate, they're not, I mean, the seller's desperate. They're not going to just go and sell their home for cheaper. No. Right? So, but hold on a sec. There's way more to a bubble than that. And and I think where bubbles get made and burst and go out of control, I mean, there has to be new supply coming online that far outpaces the demand, right? Huge. Right? So, so like you get Florida, for example, has a bubble because they build all kinds of stuff that's not sold. Right. And they just they just keep going and they keep going and they keep going on top of all the the crazy buying that's happening in the resale market. But when you have I think what we have here where I mean, we talked about it just a little a little earlier in this episode, like you have wealthy people, smart, wealthy people that can afford to kind of put the brakes on and almost balance the market on their own. Right. Um, and you also have rules in place that say these have to actually be sold to somebody 
before you can actually start building these things, unless you want to put all your own cash in, right? What changed Florida when you mentioned Florida? What changed? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, things have to change when every you know eight years you have a crazy overbuild uh, and a bubble bursts, right? But the but the major fact that changed was their banking system. The capabilities of the buyers on being able to close on those transactions was removed. So it's not that the buyers didn't want to close on all those condos. No, but, no but right. And, and the developers needed people to be able to, right. So that they could just keep pumping out product. Right. In any bubble, that's the, that's the fundamental issue in any type of market correction. It's not necessarily what the sellers are willing to do or have to do or anything like that. Yeah. It's when you suck the capabilities of the buyers, when you take that away. So these, now, these people are right. There is going to be a, there's going to be a bubble in Toronto at some point. These people are all right. I don't think you and I will live to see it because we can never listen. I mean, we haven't even got into a, a lot of the articles, um, which we probably should just to kind of keep talking to these points, but there's so many good things. Finish truth so we can move on and we'll, and we'll talk about uh, Brian Jordan's comment at the end. Well, truth is a Sure. So, so I mean, Truth is talking about a bubble. He's also talking about cash flowing properties in Toronto. Great. So, so I mean, there's a few things happening here. De definitely, I think we're you and I are in agreement. There's no bubble here at all. There's a ton of demand and not enough supply. And maybe Perfect. there's going to be a temporary uh, 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 amount of supply kicking around, but there seems to be buyers for that, anyways. Currently, that's what we're seeing right now, for sure. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and let's not, let's not confuse what a, lot of, a change, a lot of changes. There's got to be a lot of, a lot of things, of a lot of variables that go in the wrong direction. Sure. For there any um, housing bubble in Toronto. And, yeah. But and let's not confuse um, what's happening in the rental market right now uh, for for being some kind of like deflation of the bubble as well, right? The market and the and the housing market are, are related but loosely loosely and what what is also apparent is like, like we've talked about it before condos and houses are maybe not even loosely connected anymore right because these are not the same buyers there's not yeah. the same pool of buyers not the same pool of sellers like there's nothing condos and the smaller houses are related maybe that's, maybe that's super loosely yeah like the move up totally different buyers the bigger houses totally different buyers in the middle those you know do i go to into a semi or a town or do i go and buy a two plus ten condo that's some but some people are like definite condo people sure i know but i'm just saying that's where the that's where they overlap where if, if we lose all those larger condo purchasers and they all move into the housing market right yeah or we lose all the lower housing market prices because housing prices go up too high they're forced into the larger condos that's right. where they're connected fine and it is definitely loosely connected. They're, okay. We, we, we're running out of time. So quickly on truth, cash flowing properties, any seasoned real estate investor that I know isn't buying based off of um, appreciation. If I went to an investor and said, look, you're going to be losing a ton of money on the appreciation or on the cash flow, but guess what? The market's going to go up and you're going to make a lot of money. That's yeah. a rookie mistake that investors make. And it's not something that seasoned guys do. Well, so they look numbers and and the appreciation is really irrelevant because you've got a five-year plan on what my what is my cash flow you can yeah. prove that sure the rent. sure Here's my 
that's what I base my investment I, on, no matter what. I got I got something on my desk uh, this week actually talking exactly to this. Uh, can't find cash flow in Toronto was the conversation. The agent sent me something out in Ajax, I think it was, showing that it was like fifty percent return on investment, and it had four sections. One of which a two percent, you know, like return on yearly return on money plus appreciation, plus this, plus that. I was like, this is not a 50% return on investment. This is 2%. Yeah, because yeah. I don't care what the appreciation does. I'm not, I don't want to sell it. I want to rent it to somebody. Yeah. Single right? family, is there cash flowing properties? No. And what, what he means by cash flowing is probably at a 20% down payment because you and I have discussed this. Every property is cash flowing if you have a big enough down payment. That's it. That's that's, you're looking for something that you're going to put down minimum 20% down and then make it cash flowing. It's got to be multi-unit. My, my best um, uh, bet would be three units. Three units right now, they're undervalued. So get something that's going to be um, capable for you, especially if you're somebody who doesn't have another property. Anything over three units, you can't give notices to move in and all that kind of stuff too. So if you're looking to be able to uh, get some vacancies, there's some options that investors can have on a three unit or less. And at three units, most of them right now have been rented for a long time so that there's actually really um, under market rents there. So getting those rents to come up, that's gonna help with cash flow. So that's a big one. And then um, creation of secondary suites. That's by far the best way to get a legal unit because now it's a new suite that's created after November 15th, 2018, no rent control. So now you're gonna be able to rent out the upstairs, have a legal secondary suite, yeah. no rent control on it. Cash flow right away, Whippy Oshawa is great. Uh, there's some other, uh, you know, outskirt neighborhoods, Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo. There's other properties. There's other places to get that um, that cash flow where you need to be, and you need somebody who's experienced on the construction side, on the real estate side, and they're out there. I have lots of people doing it, and yeah. there's definitely options. That that's where you got to be right now if you're looking at rentals. I think too. That that's what I came up with this week. Also, is Oshawa, Ajax, Whitby, uh, just further out. And houses for sure, where you can create secondary or even third suites somehow. Um, okay, so quickly, immigration is uh, inviting in a lot of tech, uh, skilled tech workers. Um, and then we also have uh, that the uh, province is fighting, I guess the, the city's fighting the province on Bill 184. Mm. They're taking them to court. Um, Yorkville, one condo added another hundred um, Airbnbs to the uh, pool, and I got an article here saying student housing market heats up, and it's talking about how the uh, I guess the universities are only going to allow thirty to fifty percent of uh, the students to live on campus. The dorms, yeah. In the dorms, and that uh, a lot of people don't want to live in like the frat houses now, and that a lot of people are looking for like their own place to live and a nicer place to live. So that's heating up. So, I mean, with, with rents downtown, I think it's a very temporary situation. A lot of, lot of things are going to push this down for a little while. I read an article actually, which is. Uh, puts a smile on my face it was an article saying how you know all the different cities in toronto's rents were going down by whatever two percent six percent eight percent eleven percent but scarborough rents 
are going up 2%. Which is great if you own property in Scarborough that you're renting or trying to sell. So, so, so I mean, I guess we answered truth. I mean, if you want to get something downtown or in Toronto that cash flows, put more money down, which is not a bad idea if you can, because you really just want to own that piece of Toronto. Yeah. That's right? Not, that's, that's not what he's asking, though, right? It's, it's about finding the properties that, um, you know, minimum down payment. Oh, you I know, think if you're an investor, all you care about is right. the numbers anyways. You don't care about where the hell it is. But don't look at don't look at the market. The guys who play the market are the guys who sit on the sidelines, and uh, and and there's too many things that are out of your control. So look at it from a perspective of: Do the numbers make sense? Can I yeah. afford it? Is there going to be any issues as far as future repairs and expenses? And at the end of the day, if the if it makes sense and it's a long-term investment, real estate's a long-term investment. All these little short market fluctuations and stuff like that shouldn't be investing your uh, shouldn't be impacting your uh, investment decisions. So. Um, not something that I think a lot of the, the really seasoned guys are too concerned about. Yeah. If you're presented with a deal that makes sense, the numbers are good, you know, move, move on it. Move on it. The best time to buy real estate was yesterday. The next best time is, is today. That's an, unfortunately a truism. And then uh, I guess to answer our friend Brian Jordan, we'll bring out our crystal balls now and talk about what will, what do we anticipate prices in downtown condos? In three Please, years say, from now. Uh, thing first, because I think that's a quick one. What's that? Airbnb, the city of Toronto proposal, short-term rentals. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. That'll never happen. I don't even know how the math works with that. Anytime there's private individuals involved in the city, so these like, you know, public-private ventures, they're, they never go the way that they're supposed to go, and it is always a disaster. And unless it's a huge corporation it never actually ends up going through council because the city just protects the public interest by not getting into bed with unreliable people and private owners of Airbnb, I would deem as being an unreliable business partner for the city to be going into business with. So, but how do you do it as affordable housing? Yeah. So there's well, no, the nothing affordable about those. They were overpaid for over leveraged. Yeah, it would be a um, subsidy, right? So at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not something that's going to work. There's a lot more options out there. Yeah. But again, up with, the guy who came up with that idea is somebody who's got probably direct involvement in, in short term. <laughs> he owns 400 of them. Uh, yeah, yeah that's not happening. Bank on that one. There's our crystal ball on that. And yeah. then the, B, the bill uh, 184, what... Um, well, so Bill 184, you know, like the, the government is saying that it is helpful for the tenants and makes it harder to get evicted. And people that have read it are saying that that is not, in fact, the case. And that uh, basically the only thing that I'm reading in there. What's that? There could be easier ways to, to get evicted now where there is not going to be a hearing if the tenant doesn't um, fulfill their payment schedule and stuff. And I think John Tory got a lot of pressure on this one here. I think that's the reason. I don't think they actually changed anything. They just um, showed their cards and said, here's our stance. And there's two counselors who voted no and the rest voted yes. And our stance is with the tenants and we're going to do everything they can, we can, which is nothing because it's a provincial legislator, legislation that has nothing to do with the they were, counselors of Toronto. They were outside his building. <laughs> his house. They're at his house. No, he lives in the building at 
he lives at the building at the corner of Bedford and Bloor. So they were all just okay. camping out with signs. I love it. Guy. Poor guy. Poor so, guy. Not much is going to change there either. No. And listen, we've been talking, the, the last point on there about the city is, we. I mean, people have been talking about changing the yellow belt or the neighborhoods or allowing more divisible housing options in them forever. But I mean, I think it's becoming more and more... I mean, I think they're loosening things up. You see kind of semis in places and towns in places where you wouldn't expect them. You see the odd condo kind of come up in the middle of nowhere that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, Let's black and white answer right now. Is the city and the province going to loosen up what you can build and where you can build? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. They have no choice. They have to. When. Yeah. And it's going to be a long time before any of that the stuff that people have been talking about lately ever gets changed. Yeah. And there's some micro micro adjustments in different zoning bylaws, maybe the, the official plan, stuff like that in the more centralized regions. Cause it's kind of easier to justify. Yeah. But anything beyond that is not foreseeable. No, anytime not anytime soon. Yeah. And then, uh, what else? So three years from now, three years from now, where is Toronto real estate? Where is downtown Toronto condos? Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, listen, I mean, condo prices are still going up in the middle of a pandemic. People selling them have decided, you know what? We're just not going to sell right now. It's okay. We'll wait a bit. And I think just those two things combined tell us that the condo market in Toronto, I mean, if you add back in an assumption that immigration taps will open again in th by three years from now to full capacity schools will turn off the ability to to you know do it remotely or change something so that people want to come locally uh rather than from abroad or just do it there um and god knows i mean tech sector is gonna boom here i think that local uh at least in ontario like manufacturing is gonna take off again i think there's a lot of reasons why toronto is gonna be a boom town um, and probably won't even take three years to get there. It's just going to keep chugging along. Um, if, if I was your advisor, Mr. Jordan, I would definitely say, do not sell those three condos. I would say save up money for the next three years and get into something that maybe has six units or 10 units next. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, a good outlook for, for what's out there. And the big one you mentioned was about, you know, tech uh, companies coming to Toronto. There's going to be a lot more skilled workers uh, eyeing Toronto from all over the world. There's going to be a lot more employment. And this whole thing about working from home and not needing to be in the office, this is a fad. This is not something that's going to be sustainable. Yes, there are some jobs that will be able to transition to working from home. But I promise you that once the employers all in the big companies look at what the productivity is like, with people not being at the office, right? And different work schedules and stuff like that, they're gonna realize that it's necessary for work culture, for retainment, for productivity, to have everybody in that that structured environment, you know? And, and having their kids running around in the background or distractions, not wearing any pants in the Zoom calls, whatever it is, that's not something that's gonna be around forever. So no. for now- And I think uh, there's a lot of people that work, a lot of people will just say, you know what, like, if I have a choice to go in, uh, I think I'm going to come in. I can't do this anymore. My kids are driving me nuts. Yeah, 
eventually. Yeah. So we're going to, the, the employees are going to get sick of it too. And then right. the other reason people live downtown is not just for employment. That's, that's the major one. The other one too is um, for entertainment. The suburbs are not exciting. No. They're not, you know, they're just not the same. People are not as interested in living out in the burbs. So even though right now this seems to be a trend, uh, it's not something that's going to last long. Tell somebody in their 20s buying their first place to go and buy a condo at Jane and Highway 7, and you're going to find out what you, you know, what they really think of that. Um, so well, and I think a lot of the rent in downtown Toronto, right? In in the next <laughs> few years, that's the forecast. Rent units, number of units, supply, demand is going to increase. We're, we're not going to be able to uh, to maintain it. I do believe the rental market was a little inflated. I, I hope that it does. Um, you know, balance out a little bit in order to be able to at least slow down price growth. No. But um, how is it inflated? That, prices that we were getting before, the rental prices that we were getting before. Well, they released that average wage necessary to afford a one-bedroom uh, apartment in uh, Toronto, and is the highest, right, out of all the other major cities in Canada. Um, but uh, somebody um, has I, to I be. Believe, I believe that those people who are getting one-bedroom apartments are also, um, you know, skilled workers who are going to be making more money who are in that 25 to $30 an hour range or more. And that's something that's going to be sustainable. Much higher than that is, is really hard to, you know, understand or, or, or really, um, you know, think of as being possible. But, you know, I said that five years ago about... They are going the up. They are going up. They always seem to increase, so... You can't, they, there's no possible way to meet demand on rental housing. Unless, in, the only way is to shut down the rental market like what we just saw. Yeah. Which is basically what happened. The whole market just shut down. There's, there's, and especially as it gets less affordable to live here, people won't even think about the purchase option. It'll there's just be. Smaller units that are being created. There's, uh, you know more um room sharing uh, roommates and the people the people that are moving here the immigrants that are moving here this is the lifestyle they're already accustomed to yeah exactly two people sharing a one bedroom three people in a two bedroom whatever that's not something that's out of out of the ordinary five people in a two bedroom well that's excessive but (laughs) at the end of the day at the end of the day that that you're right you're right and people will become more accustomed to that one plus dens are not one plus dens they're Two bedrooms. Oh yeah. One is not as nice as the other one, right? Like that's that's what it is. One is called a den because they have to because it doesn't have a window. Sure. Yeah. All right. So I mean, I don't think it took a crystal ball to figure out where we think things will be in three years, but uh, we could be. Yeah, but we could be also be a hundred percent wrong, both of us. Let's let's end with this because I I do believe that a lot of people feel that. um, actually, someone did also mention about the Region Park project and stuff like that, and you know, Region Park I'm is not... blowing up. Okay, great. But as far as you know, where I would want to live, it's not Region Park. That's 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 for me personally. So, yeah. Region Park is eventually going to be 100% regentrified. There will be there will be an amazing downtown space there. Yeah, no, there's a scary part of it still. <laughs> far away from happening if you've ever walked anywhere near any of those region park buildings you are steps away from incredibly seedy 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 uh people and property so uh you know if you want to be down there great but it's not for me no. that's my official take on it and uh there are other there are other projects in that price range that are outside the outside the uh the hoods mm-hmm. um, but the last part that i was going to talk about was um uh why we're doing this podcast and, and that's the most important thing i have no interest 
in the information that we're giving out to benefit me. You, you have no interest in it either. You know, we both have our, you know, independent businesses and everything else too. This is just fun for us, making sure we're giving people information and talking the truth. So even though we're both on that, you know, markets going up and everything, it really doesn't benefit us in any way. Uh, you know, this, this is what we see the last 20 years. If you had bought a piece of real estate a year later, you had made a very good return, except January to April, 2017. Right. Or no, uh, April, October to like July, 2008, 2009, I can, I am a, a testament later. to that. You could have got blown out of the water I, I, a year later. That's why I said that because yeah, there was, there was a rough patch there where, uh, you know, great uh, recession had some issues, but again, a year later, two years, you're making money 10 so months money. later help people not to not to get into the market and all that kind of stuff it's, it's, it's irresponsible it's irresponsible listen in 2009 i got absolutely decimated and if i waited 10 months if i figured out how to hold on to those houses for 10 months yeah. the the outcome would have been 800 times different yeah. and that's not even an overstatement yeah <laughs> well thanks for having me today daryl thanks but, for uh, being here mr tk it's a great show and um I've got uh, some places to go and people to see, things to do. Go put your pants on. Have a good day. Absolutely. Go Leafs go. Go Leafs go. There you go. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Joe. Thanks. That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.